0: It's the show all about the silver and black. Welcome back to Vegas nation podcast with Raiders beat writer, Michael Gelkin and your host, Brian Salmon.
1: All right, folks. Well, you heard that you heard our brand new open. This is Vegas nation and I am Brian Salmon and folks, this is Michael Gelkin, the Raiders beat writer, Michael. We're going to go ahead and get to the headlines. First of all, celebrating August 16th as the Raiders close their training camp. It's over. They celebrate, I guess, with no practice, Michael. What's up with that?
0: Yeah, John Gruden, I I think he surprised some players. They were hopeful maybe that they wouldn't have that final practice in Napa, but they didn't really know. They went to bed Wednesday night thinking they had a 9.15 a.m. practice on Thursday. Then, presumably during a team meeting, Gruden told the players he appreciated their efforts. He was thankful for the progress they've made during camp, and he's canceled the final practice. So you can imagine players were excited to hear that. Uh, I think it's, it's it's a token to, I think, not only what the Raiders achieved in camp, but also who John Gruden is. I think a lot of people expected that Gruden under the 2011 CBA was going to try to get every minute of meetings and practice time that he could be afforded under the new stipulations. But we've seen now here in camp with practice being canceled, that Gruden is also a player's coach. And as much as he wants to have all the time he can get with players, he wants to make sure he rewards them and loves them up as well.
1: All right. So with that being said, the players were happy that there was no practice today. How about, Mr. Michael Gelkin, how happy was he to be able to get out of Napa and, and drive back home and get back to his house?
0: Yeah, Napa's awful. Oakland's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> said said no Napa, one ever. <laughs> yeah, no, Napa's fine, but quite honestly, I do love Oakland, and I, I miss home, so it's great to, it's great to be back. I'm, I'm speaking to you right now from Oakland, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be here.
1: Uh, that's right. He's, from, he's out there in the town, the town that created a wonderful guy who is doing a podcast right now. That would be Brian Salmon. All right, so anyway, <laughs> right now let's go ahead and talk about some of the biggest news in the past few days. White Tiger, John Gruden, his name from Martavis Bryant. First, it's a really interesting nickname, I think. Second, the Raiders at the wide receiver position, it's, it's very crowded right now. I saw the story that you wrote on that. I guess if you could just kind of speak to the nickname and also what they're doing at the receiver position right now.
0: Well, that's a tall assignment, Brian, to paraphrase. This John Gruden story because <laughs> it really was, it was Pete Gruden. You know, sometimes you, you hear him talk at a press conference and you can see why some talent evaluator said a decade ago to the, him or her, his or herself, this guy would be pretty good on television. So the the nickname, White Tiger, as Gruden explains it from Martavis Bryant, uh, he, we, back in Tampa, there's Bush Gardens, you know, the theme park. And yes. There's a White Tiger. And Gruden said, and I think this story probably changes over the course of time, but he's been to Busch Garden 13 times, and each time he went, he never really did see the white tiger. It was always in his cage. Uh. Well, Mark Bryant is a white tiger because when you go, you know, he's, not, he's not always out there, but he sure is beautiful to watch when he actually gets out of his cage and comes to play. So uh, Mark Bryant missed a couple practices with reported migraines. Uh, Gruden called it officially a, a headache. But out there on practice field on Wednesday, Gruden was happy to see him. There was one route that Martavis ran, and Gruden loved it so much, he just started screaming, white tiger, white tiger, <laughs> white tiger. And That's I'm great. watching practice, and I'm, I'm wondering, what is he hollering? And he explained it after practice, the new nickname. So that is, uh, that is Pete Gruden.
1: Okay. Okay. Did Did Martavis have anything to say about the nickname? Did anyone get his reaction to being the White Tiger?
0: Martavis has not spoken a word to local reporters uh, since training camp started. So okay. that's a request that many many have submitted, um, but no local reporter, you know, no no reporters who are based here in the Bay Area have been uh, afforded an opportunity to speak to Martavis yet. But as you referenced earlier, he's part of a expansive crowd of options the Raiders have at wide receiver. And it's going to be fascinating to watch just how many wide receivers they keep on this final 53-man roster. They have until September 1st to decide how many wide receivers they'll keep. I'd be, I, I, I would be shocked if they keep fewer than six wide receivers. And it sounds crazy to say they could, they could keep seven, so wow. I won't. But you almost could see what how they could talk themselves into that if they felt they could get away with it. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is crazy. I, I think it, we'll probably see six. But you look at what certain guys like Dwayne Harris and Johnny Holton can do on special teams. You know, Both of those are Rich Misace's number one gunners, or flyers as he calls them, uh. on the punt team in coverage. And then you have Amari Cooper. You have Jordy Nelson. You have Martavis Bryant. That's five. And that's, there's Seth Roberts. There's Griff Whalen and Ryan Switzer who are competing right now for the slot job. I think everyone expects Switzer to win out but Wayland is the one who's been seeing a lot of first-team work over this week. Uh, Keon Hatcher is a guy who maybe teams might want to trade for. And, oh, yeah, seventh-round pick Marshall Aitman and Isaac Whitney. I mean, these are that's a pretty, pretty deep group. And we'll see what happens with Seth Roberts. His base salary is fully guaranteed, so the Raiders are going to be paying him regardless, unless they were able to trade him or cut him. And, you know, there's some offsets if he signs somewhere else. But they're going to be – paying a couple million dollars towards Seth Roberts, uh, most likely, unless they can move him. And so I think that's a possible trade option for the Raiders.
1: Okay, so I will give you a nice plug. So if anyone wants to read about that, reviewjournal.com, you have a nice story that talks about the wide receiver position and basically what's going on with that if they want to know more about it. But let's go ahead and move on to Donald Penn. He made his triumphant return triumphant return but he came back to the right tackle spot instead of the left tackle spot after practice Penn talked about returning to the practice field getting
2: back in there man it feels, it feels real good uh because i've been learning this offense and just watching and learning and going out there and actually being able to you know do some of the schemes and run through them yourself you know it feels good uh, i got a lot of rust i gotta knock off of, off of but i'm just happy to be back out here and get back to work
1: all right so michael when you hear that donald Penn back First of all, seeing him back on the field, I'm assuming that it probably brought uh, lifted the, the spirits of the team just a little bit. But also, what does he bring to the team? How does he improve that Raiders offensive line?
0: Well, I think the first thing that is important to point out when it comes to Del Penn is, to his credit, the type of teammate he has been over these recent months while unable to physically be participating in drills. We've seen him watching drills, you know, standing with that Liz Frank surgery his right foot that had surgery last December. And after a first-round pick, the left tackle, Colton Miller, leaves a rep. He's there, Donald Pennis, is, and talking about, oh, you know, just a quick thing about his footwork or his technique or just whatever it may be, and then Colton Miller will nod his head and they'll continue on the practice. So just a little subtle reminders on the field as well as in meetings Donald Penn has been a great teammate to Colton Miller, to third-round pick Brandon Parker, and to other young tackles on this team. So I think he gets a lot of credit for that. Um, Not only is he a great teammate in that standpoint, he took a pay cut, and now he's embracing the switch from left to right tackle, at least as much as he could. Keep in mind, this is a guy who's played 11 NFL seasons. He's never missed a regular season game before this foot injury forced him to be sidelined for the final two games of 2017 all the while working at left tackle. And so now he's moving to right. I think there's a lot of reasons why the Raiders are making this move right now. Among them, it would be asking a lot of Colton Miller to just flip his world upside down by switching him to the, from, from the left to the right side. It really changes your footwork. And, you know, instead of moving one way, you're moving the other. It can be a lot uh, when there's already a lot going on in a rookie's mind, it can be a lot more to put on him to make that switch. For the end of training camp likewise I think physically for Donald Penn right tackle might make more sense right now I'm told uh, a former team doctor for the now Los Angeles Chargers David Chow he's a very reputable authority when it comes to all things medical in the NFL mm-hmm. he told me that if you're a left tackle and you're coming off of a right foot injury such as Donald Penn is It puts more pressure. Ah, When you're playing left tackle, you put more pressure on your inside foot. Uh, So if if you're Donald Penn and you're not in football shape yet, you're probably not 100% yet, and you're working at right tackle, you're getting yourself in football shape on putting less pressure on that injured right foot because you're anchoring off of your left, your inside foot at right tackle. So uh, a lot of reasons ultimately why the Raiders – Made this move of Donald Penn from left to right tackle. They're not, it's not in concrete. It's not finalized. They're just kind of playing it out and seeing how it goes. But I think this is the arrangement the Raiders hope to have. And if worst case scenario, they got to flip these two, expect it to happen in the next week or, or, or two. Uh, not too much later, ideally, because ultimately the Raiders want to settle their offensive line as soon as possible.
1: Man, that is great insight. I guarantee you that someone who's reading someone else's article or listen to another podcast, they're not going to get that kind of insight as far as learning that Donald Penn really takes less pressure off of his inside foot. And it's a good reason. It's a good thing, actually, for him to be on the right side of the line now. And the fact that he can get in shape, he doesn't put more pressure on his, his right foot, which is the one that he's recovering from. And also, it's very refreshing to see that Donald Penn, after 11 years in the league, is being the type of teammate that he is. He spoke about that yesterday as well after practice so that's very good to see uh Michael we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break but when we come back we will have Gilberto Monsanto and he has a lot of things to say about his well anyway just stay with us we'll be right back with more Vegas Nation podcast let's go be spontaneous let's go out of our comfort zone let's go make the most of it in the Toyota Corolla Toyota Let's go places. All right. Welcome back to our Vegas Nation podcast. Brian Salmon, along with Raiders beat writer, Michael Gelkin. And now it's time to bring in Hilbroto Manzano, who also spent time in Napa for a camp. Welcome Hilbroto or Gilbert.
2: Welcome Brian. And I'm glad (laughs) Michael's back home in Oakland. You left the cottage in Napa.
0: (laughs) I did. It's good to be
1: back. You know what? Really quick, Michael, did you, did you take any wine back home with you?
0: I did not. Oh, boo,
2: boo. Working too hard
1: out there, Michael
0: yeah i already have wine in my apartment and i'm not a big drinker so (laughs) okay i got you
1: okay there we go all right so uh gilbert in watching the the first preseason game obviously it was a successful debut for john gruden and the oakland raiders but also for a player like pj hall the kid who was drafted from sam houston state how do you rate john gruden's first camp the fact that you were out there you saw the preseason game you've seen one of the picks that. A lot of people, you included, were like, eh, I don't know about this guy. So how, how do you think it's gone so thus far with training camp? I think
2: it went very well for John Gruden. Like going into training camp, I was kind of down on this roster. I, I kept telling you, I don't, I don't like this or that. <laughs> you I, did. And I think John Gruden, I don't know how he does it, but he sold me. I, you know, somehow I'm buying whatever he's selling. So you know, I, I had a question about you know the secondary, the defense, and suddenly it seems like John Gruden might have hit on this draft class. You mentioned P.J. Hall. Maurice Hurst. We haven't seen Arden Key play yet. He might play this week against the Rams. People love him in Napa. Garyon Conley's finally playing again. He's back. We mentioned Donald Penn. He's back, and you have Colton Miller. Now you have two really good left tackles. Mm-hmm. One thing Gr- Gruden created was energy, competition, and depth. So so far, when you have those two things, you know, three things, and people are battling for jobs and people are hyped, you know, it creates you know a good energy. And John Gruden gave him the day off. That means he liked the camp himself. So. So overall, I think John Gruden did a good job for his first training camp coming back to Oakland. What do you think about that, Michael?
0: I would agree. I think Gilbert hit on the spot. The energy, the depth, the competition, all that has been, as, I, mean, I, I guess, there have been upgrades over what the Raiders had in camp last year. I say that, and I feel the need to present a caveat, which is there are still a lot of questions, that remain unanswered. You know, like the competition at corner has been great. You know, there's a lot of depth in terms of who's competing, a lot of veterans in place. But there are still – I mean, these guys need to go out there in the regular season and show that they can cover guys. Garron Conley, Rashawn Melvin, who looked fantastic, went healthy. And Melvin has been healthy since he got here. But they both need to show they can play a 16-game season. Safety – I have a bunch of question marks. Marcus Gilchrist, he's been banged up. He, he's missed about a week-plus of practice. When healthy, he's so versatile and smart, you don't really worry about him. But Reggie Nelson, Carl Joseph, uh, both those guys need to elevate their game, the starting duo safety from last season. Uh, this is a, a, a roster that has experienced dramatic turnover, uh, which, again, you see the competition it's a good thing. They brought a lot of veterans in that helped foster the culture that Gruden wants. I, I just don't know yet what that means in terms of how good this team can be so soon. I think people should appreciate it if the Raiders are be able, able to turn this thing around so quickly under Gruden because he should get a lot of appreciation for what that would have required.
1: All right. So all of Raider Nation now is unhappy. They, they <laughs> um, were happy. For I'm a glad Michael's ago. here.
2: To reel me back in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Killjoy himself. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So go ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but no, I know. You know, I just, I'm just trying to contextualize it. I, you know, I want to. I I, I I think this. You know, you look at the recent draft classes. There's a reason why Gruden is challenging guys from recent drafts to elevate their game. When you miss the way the Raiders have missed in recent drafts, that's part of what forces the team to assign 20 plus veterans for agents. You don't oh, wow. want to do that. That's typically not the ingredient for success and roster building. But Gruden. And again, he partly did it for leadership purposes and who he wanted in his locker room, but he also looked at recent drafts and thought, golly, we need to do something about this roster. So, um, again, if, if, this, if these guys are able to turn it around, and my job is to say whether or not they will or, or won't, but I just want to present just the difficulty in terms of what Gruden inherited and what he's trying to do in a short amount of time while the Raiders are still playing in Oakland.
1: Yeah, you got to have Michael here to... Uh... Present both sides of the coin and he's living like my dad and I always remember this he's living in the real world the the way uh, the way that the world is and not the way that the world ought to be so and with that being said the way that the world is right now the Raiders won their first preseason game but in true coach fashion John Gruden taking a page out of Michael Gelkin's book he didn't love everything particularly the officiating Michael didn't talk about the officiating but John Gruden had something to say about the officiating on Monday I don't want to talk about it anymore. I, I, I uh, it's you know, safety. Don't get your head out of there. Uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm tired. You know, I didn't like I didn't like a lot of the calls in the game. I mean, I was first play of the game, my tight end got thrown on the ground. You know, the next play of the game, we have a 60-yard run call back. I thought there was pass interference on the bomb to Martavis Bryant. I'm not going to stand up here and question every call, but uh, I'm going to do the <laughs> best I can to uh, make those three points. Oh, Gilbert, I love that. I'm not going to stand up here and question every call, <laughs> but I'm going to make those three points. Right. G- Gilbert, is that one of the reasons why you think that people love John Gruden so much, just how honest and, and you know how frank he is? It's
2: only one preseason game, <laughs> and he's, he's already mad about the calls. So th- that, that's Chucky, John Gruden. He even had a quote saying Chucky's back on that play. Uh, Colton Miller got the, the penalty. So he's fired up. That's what John Gruden brings. And those players feed off the energy, and they could get behind a guy who's fired up off of the preseason game. So, you know, to have John Gridden back is good for the team. And I, I feel like it's like it gave, you know, the entire team a spark that they needed. It's still really early, but so far he's kind of a player's coach.
1: Yeah, I, I
0: like that as well.
1: How about, the, how about that, um, Michael? Is, is that somewhat refreshing to have a coach that will actually tell you what he's thinking?
0: I think so too. Oh, yeah, I definitely. His press conferences have been so unique, you know, his own flavor. I mean, he's, he's himself up there. And that was probably one of the most genuine interesting moment, I think from the Raiders first exhibition last week against the Lions was after that holding call which negated the 60 yard Marshawn Lynch touchdown run you saw him and you didn't have to be a lip reader to see it you saw him use certain language and just <laughs> as, as Gruden said Chucky made an appearance and just Just seeing that side of him, even in an exhibition game, it kind of like, okay, you know, the Raiders, Gruden, you know, it's maybe the preseason, but it's here, you know. I think it it doesn't really feel like football season until you see a head coach that livid at an official. (laughs) He forgot forgot it was a game in August, the way he reacted. So, um, again, that's just Gruden being himself. Uh, but it, it's kind of just neat to see that in that environment of a preseason game.
1: I think that's funny. With that being said, Michael, is there anything in particular that you can think of that may be expected or unexpected that John Gruden has done during this training camp, being the, f- it's the first time that you've covered him with the Raiders in his return?
0: You know, that's a great question. I think there's a lot of things behind the scenes that he's really done to just break up training camp, to keep guys engaged, to keep it loose. He came in – to this whole thing, and I think he was painted as a bit of a football tyrant, just this guy who was all X's and O's, and who hated the CBA, and may or may not have hated technology, and and this, this, and that. (laughs) And then he's come in, and I think he's dispelled a lot of that. You know, the way he interacts with players, the way – and I know it's easy to roll your eyes at a coach showing decades-old game film to players, (laughs) but they – and they they kind of laugh about it, too, because it is so different, but they also – genuinely seem to enjoy how he just tries to present things in different ways and makes them uh, appreciate, you know, the roots of the game and what they're tr- doing today and how there are similarities of what their concepts are relative to decades past. I, I, I don't know. It just things like that, that you see Gruden doing. You can just tell that this was a guy who has waited a long time to return to an NFL sideline. And now that he's here, now that you know he waited for his chance, he waited for the right opportunity, now that he's chosen that opportunity, he wants to go about it his own way, unapologetically. And that kind of swagger to how he goes about his coaching players here in year one. I've really appreciated that. Now, year seven, year eight, year nine, <laughs> even a few years from now, will they view it differently? I don't know. But here in year one, guys are ready to play for him right now.
2: You know, it's it's twenty eighteen and I and, and pe- people like to troll. And I think John Gruden's doing that with you know all all these uh, nineteen ninety-eight and nineteen seventy films. I think he's trying to throw us off a little bit. You know, he worked in the media, he knows how this, this business works. Yeah. Uh his brother's still coaching in the league, Jay Gruden. Uh the guy's gonna face for the opener in on Saturday, Sean McVay worked under him. So he's very connected with, with the guys who are in right now. I think John Gruden knows how it works. He just wants to throw throw us off a little bit with the nineteen seventies pl- uh, playbook and the black and white film.
1: Yeah, kind of like what Michael was saying. He's playing up to the fact that people think he's old and he hadn't coached in forever. So why not bring up some old film to kind of make fun of himself, you know, bring the players back in, be the get off my lawn kind of guy, but also <laughs> have some innovative ways of thinking as well. So yeah, I, I can agree that it seems as if what he's doing and the approach that he's taking is one that is uh, engulfing his players.
2: And one thing that Michael pointed out to me, it, it kind of reminds me what the Niners and Jim Harbaugh People Very loved good. them at first, but after three or four years, the act kinda of got tiring. So we'll see down the line or people had enough of Chucky, but for now, you know, it's honeymoon phase and people are loving it.
1: Well you know what though, I think I think it was more wasn't more management that didn't like Harbaugh. I don't remember whether or not players disliked him as well, but I know Colin Kaepernick really liked him.
0: <laughs> I think yeah, I think players might have worn out on Harbaugh. I think the key thing for Gruden is to have the right locker room in place, to have the right quarterback in place. And I think that's one thing that for me was a takeaway this offseason, just seeing the way Derek Carr has taken to what John Gruden is preaching, it's something to see Derek Carr. And actually, I would even apply this to back in the spring when the Raiders were concluding their mini camp. Just seeing Derek Carr run Gruden's offense and audibly at the line of scrimmage and changing into certain blitz protections, he just speaks the language. And then you take that and you add – 14 full training camp practices this summer and you see it exacerbated to where it's just, it's almost if you were to tell me just by watching Derek Carr that he's only been in the system for several months, you know, that Gruden had his first meeting with the team just in April, I'd have a hard time believing you. It really seems like they've been together far longer than that based on how much work they've put in together and based on where, Derek Carr's grasp is of all the schemes and concepts that John Gruden has established here.
1: That's really saying something. And and once again, I'll plug a story that was written by Michael Gelkin. And he talked about John Gruden and Connor Cook. Uh, Just the fact that, you know, he, he pulled them out of a series and then he put them back in there and then he kind of coached them up and just how uh, Cook reacted. So it seems as if he knows what to say to his quarterbacks, he knows how to push them in order to be better. And as if, the players and, excuse me, the quarterbacks have been better for that as well. So, I mean, that's something that's good to see. Let's go ahead and move on to our our final segment. And it's something that's new, but we want to talk about this. It's Gilberto Monsanto's mailbag. So right now on ReviewJournal.com, Gilbert has a story that says, Marshawn Lynch uh, and his effectiveness in 2018. Talks about that, but it's also an opportunity for listeners, for viewers of our our Vegas nation videos. And for people that read the articles, a chance for them to write in and have their say. So we're going to have them have their say and see what you guys have to say about this. The first one is from a guy named Ed Vosey. And this is what he has to say. This is a nice little fiery hot take. This is a mediocre team at best. Mr. Carr is a pedestrian quarterback who doesn't deserve the expectations that are being foisted on his shoulders. The rest of the team is the usual disaster. I'm looking at a 7-9 and nine season record and hoping that I am wrong. Gilbert. How about that word foisted? Foisted. Does Michael know where that's from? You know where that's from? Kurt foisted? Good
0: word. What are you asking?
1: If you know where that's from, they had an episode of a TV series that that came from.
0: Oh, I do not know. Oh. <laughs> Kirby Enthusiast, I didn't know either, but Gilbert.
1: Okay, go ahead.
2: <laughs> but, a, but a lot going on that hot take, especially with calling Carr pedestrian. Sorry. As a quarterback, you know, calling a mediocre quarterback. And, mm. you know, we kind of forgot two years ago, Derek Carr was a, you know, top three, four, five MVP candidate. He took the Raiders to the playoffs, and they weren't sniffing the playoffs for the decade. So yeah.
1: without John Gruden.
2: Without John Gruden. And that's what, you know, pretty much with these comebacks all on Derek Carr's back. And he had a really, you know, a, a couple step backs and a down year a year ago. So we kind of, re- that's what we're remembering. And also coming off that contract, you know, when he had an extension, he was one of the highest-paid quarterback. So ex- expectations are higher. I think he does deserve some of the, the pressure and expectations because he is getting paid like, paid like a top-three quarterback in the league. But let's not forget who Derek Carr is. He, he's done a lot in the league. I think he's entering year five now. He had one bad year. It happens. Usually you have injuries. You get a new play caller, offensive coordinator. Things happen, uh, but I think Derek Carr would be fine. As far as the seven and nine record he had <laughs> for the take, you know, I, th- I think most of us are in agreement. It could be around that range, seven and nine. But like I was telling you earlier, Brian, I, I have the upside. I'm buying with John Gruden is selling. Uh-huh. Michael's more reserved, but I think seven and nine sounds about right for right now.
1: Okay. Yeah. You. I think the term you use, it's a good seven and nine.
2: Yeah. <laughs> upside
1: a, a good seven and nine Michael if there ever is a good seven and nine but how about the fact that uh you know the Raider fans Raider Nation they tend to forget that Derek Carr took the Raiders to the playoffs and when he was hurt they had a, a guy named Connor Cook that was in and he did not do so well
0: right and no Raiders quarterback in the franchise's history has had as prolific of a start to his career than what Derek Carr has achieved in his youth with the team I think it's easy to, after a six and ten year, it's easy to pile on to the struggles of a year before and to kind of give a web MD diagnosis to what the problems are. People seem to make it more severe than it is. But I would think that I would I would say that Derek Carr is far more likely to be part of the solution for the Raiders rather than the problem. I think Ed Voce. I had to double check to make sure Jalen Ramsey didn't <laughs> write that email. I'd both be calling him a pedestrian quarterback. Even Ramsey would, would disagree with that. I think he called him pretty good, a good quarterback. So, oh, wow, I I don't know. I mean, I, I think the the for fans to be passionate and want more out of their quarterback uh, it's entirely fair. I mean, Derek Carr wants more from himself, but if you're gonna call him pedestrian, I, I think that would be uh, to me a bit overly
1: harsh. Yes. Shame on Ed Vovsi. Shame on you, sir. All right. This- hey, I'm not
0: saying that. We, we appreciate our fan mail. Yeah.
1: Uh,
2: mail we, more, we want more hot takes, takes, Brian. Encourage it.
1: No, no, no. You guys definitely aren't saying shame. I'm saying shame on Ed Vovsi <laughs> for calling him pedestrian. <laughs> but I do appreciate him calling him Mr. <laughs> it's just <Polite>. no disrespect. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey wouldn't do that. We yeah. call him Mr. No, he would not call him Mr. That's funny. Good, good pull on that one, Michael. All right. The second one that we have is what about Mack? We're talking about Khalil Mack. Wondering if Donald Penn's salary cut will help Raiders sign Khalil Mack. Michael had a beautiful response on Twitter with a great analogy. The Raiders do save money from Donald Penn restructure, but it has minimal bearing on Khalil Mack's situation, like canceling a Netflix Netflix subscription before purchasing a new car. First of all, Michael, how long did it come up, how long did it take you to come up with that? That was a pretty good little analogy there. <laughs>
0: Well, additionally, I was gonna make like a, a food analogy, like huh. something to do with you know skipping out in terms of adding avocado into your food <laughs> or whatever. Well, I'm glad you didn't but go avocado. I, Two
2: dollars avocado. I think I, just,
0: I think I think I was just really hungry, and so <laughs> and I, I te- and I've tended to use over I've tended to overuse food metaphors over the course of my career, so I really wanted to try something different. So okay. I think it probably took me a minute to get over that little hurdle to get off to the, the dinner table. You're arguing the, with yourself. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's some internal struggle there. Okay, okay.
1: Now, Gilbert, what
0: do you but think, think, think about point. Yeah, I think the point of it is the same, which is look, the Raiders saved money from Donald Penn's restructure. We can call it a restructure, but in design, it was a pay cut. Effectively, it was a pay cut. And they saved some money, but the scale of this Khalil Mack deal, to think that whatever ripple this saves the Raiders, is actually going to contribute meaningfully to the tidal waves. that is max extension, the one that's being negotiated, that has been negotiated for months. the one that seems like will continue to be negotiated because there really uh, has been no indicator this thing is going to get done anytime soon. And again, you you never know. But right now, the first person that tells me this thing's looking imminent would would certainly be the first. So uh, I, I don't know in terms of, whether or not this seems close, I have no reason to think that it is. Uh, but I, what I do know is that it didn't really become meaningfully closer uh, following the Donald Penn restructure.
2: Yeah, I think people, Raider fans, want some kind of hope that Kilomak is coming back anytime soon. This wasn't it, as uh, Michael pointed out, with, with the Netflix analogy that was perfect. Yes. But, you know, just, they just want to see their pass rusher back, especially with this D-line, you know, with so much talent now. You know, we haven't even mentioned guys like Mario Edwards Jr. and Justin Ellis. And the D-tackle spot is, you know, all of a sudden kind of, you know, I don't want to say loaded, but deep. And Khalil mag is still not there with Bruce Urban. People just want to see that unit together. So they're looking for any reason. And the Donald Penn, you know, pay cut was kind of the hope. But, you know, one thing that did created, we, we did touch on Donald Penn, you know, you know, moving the right tackle and stuff like that. But it created more depth in the O-line. Now you have – you know, Donald Penn back, he, if you would have let him go, that, that kind of would have kept you thin on the O-line. Now you have Colton Miller and Donald Penn. That's kind of a, a good problem to have.
1: That is a good problem to have. So, Gilbert, yeah. is uh, Donald Penn going to be back? Will he return? Is he going to – Is he Khalil, get, Mack? Khalil Mack? excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> is Khalil Mack going to uh, miss any regular season games? When is he coming back? And uh, is, is – yeah, what's going on with him? Well,
2: he's, he's getting docked, I think, eight. $891,000 for each preseason game, so I don't think you want to keep lo- losing money. I'm not sure if the team could waive that stuff, but it's kind of funny that the Rams and the Raiders are playing each other this Saturday. Yes. Aaron Donald and Kilo Mack are not going to be there, yeah. but, but I think when they meet each other for the Monday night opener, Aaron Donald and Kilo Mack will be there. Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald might get paid during during that September 10th game. I don't think Kilo Mack will. They might drag yeah. it on, but I, I don't think he's going to miss any games when it comes to regular season. He still has that fifth-year option. It takes time, the franchise tag. So I think Khalil Mack will come back during the regular season. I don't think he'll be back in the next couple of weeks. So,
1: Fiery hot take, Michael.
0: <laughs> I would agree. I I I don't. I, I have difficulty for seeing that Khalil Mack will miss regular season time. And I could be wrong. I just and I, and I know I have respect for his agent, Joel Siegel, and he's so experienced when it comes to these negotiations. And I trust that. He will do whatever he thinks is best for his client, but to miss out on the salary, you know, that comes with being in your fifth year option and more than $13 million a year, uh, to take the, the lick of that, I, I just, uh, to me, I know it must be killing Khalil Mack to have missed training camp. Uh, he wants to be there with his guys. He's talking to Justin Ellis every day. Ellis told me, and they're talking about how you know PJ Hall looks and Arden Key and Maurice Hurst, and you know, the rookie class, how they look. You know, Khalil is, is, is falling from afar while he's training. There's nobody in the Raiders' headquarters that doubt Khalil Mack will be ready physically once he joins the team. They do still want to get their hands on him. They do want to get in the meetings room. Their defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther, is eager to sit down and talk with them properly. Um, to me, I believe those conversations will all happen uh, at least a week before the September 10th season opener, ideally within a couple of weeks of that game. But again, uh, we'll see how Siegel wants to play it.
1: Wow. So Michael, that $800,000 that Khalil Mack is missing per game, that is definitely not a Netflix subscription, is it?
0: <laughs> That's a lot of Netflix subscriptions. <laughs> <laughs>
2: lifetime. Yeah. so Lifetime, lifetime
1: for, for all of us. All right. So there you have it. That was somewhat of our, our new Vegas nation podcast structure. I-, I thought it was pretty cool. Something different. So I just want to make sure that I remind everybody that our Vegas Nation podcast, all the work that we do, all the articles and stories that Michael Gelkin and Hilberto Manzano write can be seen at ReviewJournal.com. Plus, you can keep up on all of our videos there as well. Our reports will also be on Roku Television and the Amazon Fire Stick, which is a good way to sit on your couch, eat some chips with guacamole dip. That's for Michael. And... Watch your, Vegas Nation pod, or watch your Vegas Nation videos and also on our Vegas Nation app. So for Raiders beat writer Michael Gelkin, thank you for joining us from Oaktown back at home and Hilberto Monsano here in studio. I'm Brian Salmon with Vegas Nation. We'll see you next time.